The Monument, Chapter 12. Fred was surprised to see me come to the elevator. We had talked it out the morning before I met with Mick. Seems like it's in the interest of your new career to spend some time studying with this artist, he said after breakfast. I'm caught up on paperwork. I lined out all the books and stuff so you can just fill it in. I can come in the evening and finish it out for the day. Let's not worry about that too much. Art seems to be a little more important. It does? All this time, and he'd never said two words about art, and after breakfast, stops that. Yep, he smiled. Ain't that right, Em? And added, and I don't know why I was ever worried about it. So when I showed up at the elevator with Mick, Fred raised his eyebrows. He was covered with grain dust, and it made him look like a monkey. He wanted to come here, I shrugged. I don't know why. Because this, Mick said, his arms sweeping around at the dust and the hum of machinery and the truck dumping a golden stream of wheat through the grate, with Harry Clark standing by the rear end, his hand in the falling wheat, and hundreds of sparrows and pigeons all over the ground getting grain. This is the cosmic center of the universe. It is? Draw. He had made me carry the tablet and pencil box from the station wagon. I felt really silly taking it out to draw in front of Fred and Harry Clark. There were three more trucks that pulled up while we stood there, waiting to dump grain, and all the men and two boys who were helping their fathers came into the elevator. One of the boys was Jimmy Durbin, who I like to look at the way you do, and I felt shy about drawing in front of them. But Mick looked at me. His eyes seemed to go into my brain, stopped me. Draw, he said again, his voice low and even. It's what you do, draw. I knew he was right. I had decided to be an artist sitting alone in my bed, where it was easy to say that. But this decision held out here as well, out where it showed where people could see me, even if it was embarrassing. So I went back into the corner of the office to my desk and put the tablet down and started to draw. I tried to draw people, the men standing there, but I couldn't get them to look right, so I worked at the scene, the room, the door, and the window, looking out to where the truck was dumping grain. It was funny, but I started to see things for the first time that I had been looking at forever. The wood over the door... It wasn't just wood. It was beautiful, with dark strips of grain that seemed to jump out even through the layers of dust from the wheat. Oiled, dark wood. I wondered where it came from and how it got where it was, why somebody would take so much time and effort on a piece of wood over a door. I tried to draw the wood, the door, tried to get that feeling in it. It didn't work, and I looked up, and Jimmy Durbin was standing there looking at the drawing. It's really good, he said. I looked to see if he was teasing me, thought about turning Python loose on him if he was, maybe taking a leg, but he meant it. It's hard for me to do. That's because you're making it look good. Anybody can do it if it's easy. The hard stuff takes longer. I'm going to be an artist. Oh, great, I thought. Stupid. Open my mouth and be stupid. It shows. He smiled and moved his father, but he looked at me two or three more times. I was glad I was sitting down so my leg was under the desk. I tried to push my hair back when he wasn't looking so it would be neater, and I thought, hey, you never know, you never know. I was glad I hadn't let Python have his leg. You can't just do a monument, can you? I heard Mick say. There were four men now, and one young boy named Carl who was seven or eight and hiding in the back of his father's leg looking at Python with big eyes while he chewed his lower lip. I wished I could draw people because it would make a good drawing the way he was standing. Monuments have to be a certain way for a certain place. Hell, Clyde Jameson went to the door, opened it, and spit a gob of tobacco juice that would have killed a sparrow if it had hit one. He closed the door and turned back to Mick. Monuments is monuments. You raise something up there, and a month later pigeons are crapping on it, and nobody's anything. It's all a waste of money. This time, Mick said, his voice quiet. Not this one. What makes this one different? You, he said, then swung his arm around to the rest of the room. All of you, everybody in this town. 
They're all different from all other towns. When I know you, all of you, I'll know how to make the monument, won't I? A couple of them nodded. Fred did nothing. Just watched, and I was glad he was my father. He just held back and studied things and always knew, always knew. How is it for about the millionth time that I didn't get adopted and didn't get adopted, and then one day Fred and Emma came in and I got lucky, luckier than I could ever have hoped. So I'm trying to learn as much as I can before I begin the day after tomorrow. What's day after tomorrow? The meeting, Fred said. There's a meeting at the courthouse to decide on the monument. Ah, yes. Everybody is coming. It's potluck. I'll be there, but I still think it's just some dumb place for pigeons to dump. The men moved back to their trucks and Mick motioned for me to stay and work. He went back out to his wagon and found a new tablet and his bag of chalks and started to work on his own. He began in the office with me, his hands floating over the paper in swirls before lowering. I watched him for a bit, then watched Fred watching Mick. Fred's eyes glowed. It's like dancing, ain't it? He said to me when he saw me watching him. His hands just dance. Some of the men came back in and watched him as their trucks dumped, watched him draw the trucks and the grain coming down the old wood and the peanut machine, and I thought I would be able to do it. He must have known what I was thinking. You just keep working, he said. It will come. It will come. I'd rather watch you to learn. That too, but work as well. Watch and learn and work and live and be. He was looking out the window while he talked and his voice trailed off. The sparrows. Look at them. I went to the window and leaned the tablet against the bottom edge so that it lay flat, and I stood to his side and saw the sparrows. They were all around the elevator, hundreds and hundreds of them, sometimes so thick they were like water when you walk, parting ahead of you, and then landing again and back to get at the grain that spilled or blown off the trucks. I had never thought of them, but Mick drew them with the chalk, just spots in the whirl of dust around the elevator, so that they seemed to be moving, dancing, swirls of birds that went up from the elevator floor along the towers of concrete where the grain was stored, seemed to be alive. I can't see like that, I said, not to see them that way. You will, it will come, you will see that way. It was so strange because there were other people in the room. Fred and one other man and Jimmy Durbin had just left. And here we were, talking like nobody else existed. And in a way, they didn't. There was just the drawing that he was doing and I was watching. And none of the other people seemed to be there, just us. All of that day we did the same, went around town seeing things, doing drawings, down alleys, into the bakery where we sat in back with the loading steps and shared a package of rolls with Python, into the courthouse, the jail, which I'd never seen, where the cells were empty, drawing after drawing, all his in chalk and mine in Patel it was evening, and we were standing by the station wagon. Tomorrow you're on your own, he said. Do the same thing. What are you going to do? Work. I have to repair the presentation, and that will take most of the day, and tonight there is one place I have to investigate where you can't come. Lyle's Week Beer Emporium, I guessed. Exactly. If the grain ele elevator is the soul of Bolton, then the pub is, well, some other part of the anatomy. But it needs to be studied, doesn't it? I guess. I didn't actually think so. All I'd seen of the bar was when fights between big drunk farmers after harvest was finished would boil out into the street and the sheriff would have to stop them. Well, of course it does. Of course it does. I have one other thing for you, a present before we part. What is it? A book. He was rummaging around in the back of his wagon, and he brought out a large book in a plastic bag. Here. What is it about? It's an art book, about a painter. I looked in the bag. It was a large book, a foot by a foot and a half, with a colored jacket, and it was in good shape, kept clean by the plastic bag. I pulled it out. Degas. Just one word on the cover, and below the word, a painting of a racehorse. It's beautiful. I don't know what to say. Thank you. 
Study it. I have. Work. Draw and study. We'll talk about it day after tomorrow, after the explosion. What explosion? The one tomorrow evening at the courthouse. You're coming, aren't you? I wouldn't miss it for the world.